0: Well, Merry Christmas again. It's it's good for us to take this little pause here and reflect on uh, the familiar story: God entering the world, God taking on human flesh, God with us, Jesus. And we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew, how Matthew introduces the life of Jesus. And there's uh, perhaps less familiar to us is this statement that he makes. I don't know if you caught it in verse 17. Uh, There's a summary statement about Jesus' ancestry. He says there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. He's going out of his way to point out these three 14s that that are part of Jesus' ancestry. seems a little strange. So what is he trying to show us? What point is he trying to make with this ancestry? Now, so ancestry these days, a very uh, popular hobby. And now, uh, as a Christmas gift, one of the top gifts of 2017 is a, a take-home ancestry test, like a genetic, a DNA test. And you, you get the vial, you spit into a vial, and you send it in, and they send you back genetic information that tells you about your ancestry. And uh, thousands of people are, are are doing this, and you know, what. What are people trying to prove? Or what are they trying to understand by understanding their ancestry? Maybe it's just, where did I, you know, where did I come from? What type of people were they? Maybe people aren't familiar uh, with their background. Uh, maybe they're looking for, uh, you can learn about things that, diseases or illnesses that you might be prone to. And that actually might be helpful information in your life. People might be looking for uh, long lost relatives. Uh, so there's, there's different reasons why people do this. And those are all good things, but you've got to be careful. I've, I read some stories, uh, one story of a, of a guy. He was actually a, a genetic expert. He was a professor. And he, uh, he decided he had never done one of these tests. He thought, he thought you know, I know a lot about genetics, so I'm going to get one of these. And he got one for his mom and his dad. And they all, you know, for Christmas, they did this together. And you get your results back. You can click online to say, show me if I have any close family members who have also you know, are in the database. So he clicks and he finds that he has a half-brother that he didn't know about. And he thought, this was fascinating. It's like, I, I have a half-brother, let me find out. It turns out he, he was a young man who was given up for uh, adoption and they, they reconnected. Well, this information was news to the mother, and, but not so much to the father. And it, it caused a big, <laughs> it, 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 so um, he, he could, the, the, I'll give you the title of the article. He said, it's the year I got my parents a divorce for Christmas. Uh, Because it totally fractured this family. There was another uh, account where the woman from an Irish family, she did one of these little tests. It sent her information back that she's actually Jewish. And she didn't understand this. And then she started to, she she gave one to her cousin. Turns out her cousin's not her cousin. She said, you were my favorite cousin. But now we're not cousins, but we can still be friends. And 10 years of research, and they finally figured out there was another woman who was... uh, thought she was very much Jewish, who test came back um, that she was actually Irish, and turns out their fathers were switched in a hospital in 1913, and they had the birth records, and they sorted the whole thing out, and they were raised uh, in the wrong families, essentially. So um, so be, so buyer beware, if you have, if you, tomorrow, when you unwrap your presents, and if you find one of these tests, then uh, just, you know, that's great, but just, Beware okay um, so the ancestry of Jesus, though, why such a big deal and why these the fourteens because the number fourteen is not a very important number in the Bible. What is a very important number is the number seven. the, the Bible describes that God created all things in, in six days and God's, God rested on the seventh day, and that created a pattern of rest for god 's people that they were to work six days and Take one day with no work. And it was, it's called the Sabbath, which means in Hebrew, seven, or it means to cease from your work. So the, numbers, the seventh day was a very important day. But not just the seventh day. Every seventh year was a Sabbath year. And on the Sabbath year, according to God's law, the, that farmers were not allowed to farm their land. They had to leave their land follow and, and allow the uh, nutrients to regenerate themselves. And the seventh year was a very important year of rest. But it wasn't just the seventh year. Every seventh seven year, so every 49th year, was a year of jubilee. That's a year where all the debts would be canceled. Anybody who was enslaved would be freed. And uh, there was free food for po- the poor. And it was just a, a year where all, essentially, most of the burdens of life weren't experienced. And at least uh, at least temporarily, everybody could experience this uh, This rest of life. So, what's the point? So, what's the point of all this? Well, this this beautiful rest was pointing to the ultimate rest that God was bringing into the world—a world that was broken by sin, a world that is can be very difficult at times. That God's design is to restore it and bring ultimate rest to the world. So if we think about Jesus' ancestry, it's not about the fourteens, it's about the sevens. So there were two sevens, and then two more sevens, and then two more sevens. So there's six sevens of generations. That means Jesus is the seventh seven, Jesus is the, the year of Jubilee, Jesus is, the, is ushering in this ultimate rest of God. And, and Matthew is going out of his way to say, Jesus is the, the 49th. He's the 7th. Seven. And even if you don't follow the math, okay, if I've lost you with the math, here's this. Jesus is the ultimate rest. And that is good news for us tonight. That's the rest of the Christmas story. Because you know what? We all need rest. That's good news for you, and that's good news for me. I want to consider three ways in which we need this rest. The first is that Jesus brings us rest in our lives from the, just the chaos of life. And we can find true rest in him from that. Um, when we think of the notion of rest, most of us in this room would probably say, you know what, I like that notion. A notion of rest is a good rest. I, I work hard, I'm busy, uh, i got a, a busy schedule. Yes, a little more rest in my life, I could, I could use that. It was a little girl walking out of church this morning, and I wished her Merry Christmas. She said, "I hope you get everything you wish for Christmas." I said, "That's great." And her mom said, "You know what I wish? I wish I could get a nap." <laughs> and um, I think I think a lot of us feel that way. And if you look at Joseph, that's why we sympathize with Joseph. Because here's a guy—he's Joseph, not a bad guy. He's engaged. He's fulfilling his civic duty. He's going to register in the census, and but his wife's. Pregnant, and he knows it's not his. And you know, this is in his day. This is enormously shameful. This is a uh, this is scandalous. He, you know, he's a good guy, but he finds himself in a bad situation. And we feel for Joseph because, we, you know, we we get in these you know these little crises or big crises come up in life, and it's hard to find rest. And we just it's hard to catch a break sometimes. You know, I was just this earlier this month with the big town tree lighting and the holiday happenings and it was a group from the church and we were, uh, we were gathering to sing some of these folks and we were trying to unload some heavy musical equipment and the person with the gear was driving up and I stepped into a parking space and, uh, to, to wave her in so we could help carry the gear and the person in front of her said, hey, get out of the way, I want to park there. And I said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. We're just unloading some really heavy equipment, and we're going to unload it right here in this spot. And he said, oh, get out of the way. This is a public place. You can't stand in a parking spot. I said, well, I am standing in the parking spot, and we need to unload here. And, and then there was a little back and forth, and I realized, I, I realized that like, you don't want the pastor to get in a fight over a parking spot. So. But my point is this, I wasn't looking for trouble. Most of us aren't out looking for trouble, but this stuff happens. Here's Joseph, you know, but here's what, here's what God does. An angel comes to Joseph and, and explains to him, Joseph, God is in control of what's happening here. It may not look that way, it may not seem that way, uh, you're in a bad place, and Joseph is thinking, I'm going to fix this thing myself. I'm going to just quietly divorce this woman. But, but Joseph um, is comforted by the angel. God has everything under control. And in life, in the midst of the chaos of life, we all have a choice. You can try to fix every situation and every little crisis that comes up that's stealing your rest. Or we can trust that God has it in control. It's the difference between the speedboat and the powerboat. You can live your life like a speedboat. One hand on the wheel, one hand on the throttle, and just going, cutting across the water. You can go real fast, real loud, real flashy, but you're going to run out of fuel quick, and you, you better be near a place with the right fuel, or you're going to be dead in the water. No no help. God's design is that we live more like a sailboat, where, you know, it's still a lot of work to get where you're going, but there's an unseen force that's pushing it along. And, and That power doesn't run out. In fact, the further you get from the shore, the more predictable that the power and the wind become. Jesus doesn't leave us with the burdens and the chaos of life to just try to fix it all ourselves. uh, Scripture says this, Psalm 55 says, Cast all your cares in the Lord and he will sustain you. Jesus makes this offer. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying that we can trade our burdens for his care, for, for the rest and the peace that he gives. That's a pretty good trade. We need rest from the chaos of life. Through the eyes of faith we can find it. The second way in which we need rest is we need rest from ourselves. We can blame our busy schedule, and we can blame things that go wrong in life for how tired we are, but a lot of times the truth is that we are tired because we put the pressure on ourselves, trying to prove ourselves and win other people's approval and make a name for ourselves. This can be a problem, especially around the holidays, and you uh, see other people's families or you see your siblings, or you, you can you can feel bad about where you're at in life, that you just haven't achieved enough. You know, get to the end of the year, oh, I didn't finish my, my New Year's resolutions from last year. I've got a resolution from 2016 I haven't accomplished. I put it on the 2017 list, and I'm just going to put it on my bucket list, because, And the goal, so that the resolution in 2016 was, I'm going to learn to play the piano. And I didn't, and then 2017, I didn't this year, and um, again, that's not a big deal, but if you have goals like I want to be more successful or I want to have my finances more in order or I want to find a life partner or get a better job, I mean, those are big things. And those things will steal your rest. Depending on how you answer the question, what is going to give my life value? What do I put value How do I put value on my own life or how do I understand? And how you answer that either is going to make you really tired or it will help you find rest. If you put all your value in what you accomplish, maintaining your reputation, caring about what other people think of you, that can be exhausting to keep that up. But if you place true value on your life because God loves you, because he wants to make you his, because he wants to make you new, That brings rest and security that you are ultimately loved and ultimately valuable in God's eyes. When when Jesus came into the world, the Gospel of John describes it like this. It says, to all who received him, Jesus, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. By faith, as we put our faith in God, we become his children, And that is an identity and a value and a purpose in life that's greater than anything else. And all you need is God's grace. And then you're a full member of the family. We receive full forgiveness. So no matter how big of a failure you feel or the shame or guilt you feel in life, you can receive forgiveness and you can rest in that new reality. Jesus offers us that rest. So rest from the chaos of life. Rest from the right really from ourselves and the pressure we put on ourselves and lastly Jesus brings us ultimate eternal rest for our soul and when the angel spoke to Joseph the angel said you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins the name Jesus means the lord saves think about the rest to our lives that that brings Think about God resting. Again, God resting from his work of creating all things. Why does God need to rest? He's all-powerful. The Bible says he doesn't sleep or slumber. He doesn't grow tired. I mean, God doesn't really need to rest, at least not the way we think of rest. When God is resting, it's more like God resting on a throne. That he's created this kingdom that he now rules over. He's, he's created order out of chaos. He's created beauty out of emptiness. And now he is resting in the goodness of that creation. So it's not inactivity, but it's, uh, it's, it's not disengagement. It's engagement without burden. It's life without curse or chaos. And we, you and I, were all meant to live in that type of a world with no burden and no chaos and no struggle. But what interrupts the rest is not the next day. It's not the eighth day and there's no more rest. What interrupts this perfect rest is sin. It's going away from God's design and away from God's plan. And God has made it clear that we all sin. We all fall short. The world is we are broken, the world is broken, and, but it was God's desire to save us from that. And Jesus came to save us from sin. So Jesus comes into a world full of sin and, and all the brokenness, all the things that steal our rest. He leaves his heavenly throne and he enters into that same toil. He enters into that humanity to save us. To love and to teach and to serve and to give his life. And on the cross, Jesus Christ gives his life as our ransom. All the things that burden us, all the things that steal our rest, all the things that drag us down, Jesus takes those on himself. He, He dies in our place so that we can enter into his rest. And that's not just a rest that you experience you know, you know. someday when you die that you can so, somehow you know, rest in peace, so to speak. But more than that, it's, it's a rest we can experience now, every day, wherever God calls us as we receive His grace and experience Him. Jesus is the ultimate rest for our souls. So don't leave here tonight with your just needing rest. I, great stories people share about things they do when they just are overtired and Um, sleep deprived. One person uh, shared a story online about um, putting their contact lenses, both of them in the same eye, and not being able to see out of either eye because they were so tired and not understanding what happened. It was the man who went to work so tired he brought his backgammon board instead of his briefcase. True story. One person so tired they go through the drive-thru trying to order a cup of coffee from the trash can. Don't let your lack of rest get to you like that. But yours may not be funny. Because when we miss out on the rest that Jesus brings, we miss out on life. We miss out on a relationship with God that he designed us for. So do you need that rest? You just receive it by faith. Anytime you could pray, God, I need your rest. Thank you that Jesus came to bring me ultimate rest. I thank you that He accomplished all I need to gain that rest when He died on the cross to pay for my sin. And He rose again that I might live. God hears your prayer. You can receive that grace today and rest in His peace even tonight. Amen.